This episode of the Oz Movie Geek podcast is sponsored by Kix. Kix is an online film and television retailer specializing in the latest Sony, Universal, and Paramount films and television shows. You can use the exclusive code OZGEEK15 to receive 15% off your order. Thank you to the wonderful team at Kix. Now to the review. Hello and welcome to the latest episode in the Oz Movie Geek podcast. I'm your host, Pado. Today I'll be doing a review of M. Night Shyamalan's latest, and that is Old, uh, the new strange thriller film, I guess you would call it. Um, yeah, and I guess it's his follow-up since Glass after he gave us a surprise sequel to Split and Unbreakable that I guess fans weren't really um, anticipating in the sense that they didn't think was going to happen. But yeah, we got it, and he's sort of on a bit of a resurgence after having an absolute um, train wreck of a run there with The Last Airbender and The Happening. Uh, but he sort of, yeah, found a bit of a, a niche with these smaller budgeted high concept ideas like Split, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed, uh, Glass, which I also enjoyed, and even The Visit back in 2015, a uh, found footage film that sort of found that Shyamalan greatness in the sense that he was able to mix a bit of, you know, that dark comedy that he can do very well if he wants to. Uh, with found footage uh, filmmaking technique. And I think he did a pretty good job uh, in recent years. I thought Split was really good. Glass has its issues, and I know a lot of people were let down by that film, but I still had a lot of fun with it, and I think it was a good continuation of that unbreakable saga. But I guess my relationship with M. Night Shyamalan and his filmography is that I do like a lot of what he's been able to do, there's no denying his influence on cinema and even on my personal love for film. I think that he is a master and he was uh, responsible for some of my favourite films of all time. The Sixth Sense is an easy go-to because it was so, so good and he sort of you know, had that name about him after that. Um, Time Magazine hailed him as the next Steven Spielberg, which I think got into his head a little bit. And that might have played into a bit of his hubris and that eventual downfall that happened in the, you know, 2008 to 2011 period there, or even going all the way up until after Earth, which I really didn't like either. Um, but he sort of had a bit of a, a run going because Unbreakable I, I thoroughly enjoyed and it's one of my favourites. I also really uh, enjoyed Signs. And I think out of all of his films, Signs is the one I've watched the most. And I think Science is actually just a really solid film. It's a great drama with that alien backdrop as well. It's just a really well-made film, and I'm a big fan of it. Uh, then he did The Village, and I know a lot of people were let down by The Village as well. And that film, again, has a lot of issues. But because it has that M. Night Shyamalan, you know, profile about the the making of the film and I, I guess the film was let down a bit by terrible marketing as well it was marketed as like this thriller horror film but it ended up being like a a period piece romantic tale uh so that definitely played into i guess the criticisms of the film too lady in the water is another film um, that he did with bryce dallas howard that i actually really enjoy and i know it has issues again but it's just so weird and interesting and and well made that i can't you know, just dismiss it. It has something about it. And that's the best way to describe some of his worse uh, films in his filmography 
is that there is just this quality to it. You can't put your finger on it, but you can't stop watching whilst the happening gets absolutely terrible and becomes one of the worst films of all time, in my opinion, and I, that's relative to its budget because I know that you could pull out a random Sharktopus first, Croc did gone or whatever um, that's worse than that film, but I'm talking about relative to its budget because I think the happening had a ridiculous like $80 million budget or something. And I guess um, that, yeah, there was just something about the, the happening that you just can't stop watching it. You're like, oh, my God, what is this? This is a this is an absolute mess, but it, it's so fascinating that it exists. Um, and I guess the worst film, in my opinion, in his filmography is The Last Airbender, and it's one I haven't revisited and I don't really plan to. But I think that he's someone who is very interesting as well because he does have vision for what he wants to accomplish, a lot of his stories as well just have that fascination about them because, like I said, there's something strange going on under the surface. It doesn't necessarily have to be a twist ending, which he's notorious for, but he just has that way that you, you yeah, are just drawn to his films. And he's one of the few directors that are left, I guess, that can really sell a film based on his name. I remember when The Visit uh, was coming out, and I had no interest in seeing it because of the trailer and I didn't realize that he was attached as a director and it wasn't until I saw his name and I was like, oh, hang on, I want to see this. It's M. Night Shyamalan. You know, what, what's he up to after the train wreck as well that was after Earth? But I, I was keen to see what he would do with this concept because it was really interesting with old and I really enjoyed that first trailer and I think Universal and uh, Blumhouse have really given him a chance to shine giving him small budgets to really work on, you know, a, a bigger, higher concept film without putting emphasis on production value, such as, you know, like heavily influenced CGI um, that take over sequences completely and things like that. None of that's here. It's just a very small scope story that's really just put on display because of the filmmaking techniques that surround it. So, yeah, I'm keen to talk about old. Uh, this review will contain spoilers. I can't talk about it without going into spoilers. So you've been warned there. If you haven't seen old, don't listen to the rest of this review because you will have minor plot details spoiled. Um, and I guess uh, I will discuss a bit of the ending too. But that's your warning there, guys. Um, I think that's a good introduction. And I think that's where we should leap off with the trailer. So take it away, trailer. No kids allowed on the beach? What? No. I'm not true! Oh, no! Oh, no! We never leave each other. Nothing separates us. Are we there yet? You said five minutes. Technically, it's been more than five minutes. Let's just all start slowing down. Wow. Do you believe I found this online? I guess it's not that secret a beach. Whoa! Who would leave this? From the hotel! They're so rusted! What's happening? Found stuff from the hotel in the sand. I don't know. What happened to her? Body has decomposed. 
How quickly can that happen? Seven years. But she just died. Wait, where are the kids? Trent! Kara! Come here! Hey, have you seen my children? Mom? I'm, I'm right here. Why are you looking at me like that? What's happening to us? My daughter just turned six two weeks ago. Mom! Whatever's happening to us is happening very fast. You have wrinkles. There's something wrong with this beach. What's happening? Mom! 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 I'm scared! We have to get off this beach! People are blacking out going this way. If she makes it to the ledge, she might have a chance. Why is she stopping? Why is she stopping? Can I wake up? Wake up! They have to know what this place does. I don't know! You're lying! Look! What is that? A message. We never leave each other. Nothing separates us. We're connected to something bigger. Oh no. We're here for a reason. So Old was written for the screen based on a, a novel called, uh, or graphic novel called Sandcastle by M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, the novel, graphic novel wasn't, the screenplay was, uh, and was directed by Shyamalan as well. And stars Gail Garcia Bernal, Vicky Creeps, uh, Rufus Sewell, Alex Wolfe, Thomas and Mackenzie, Abby Lee, um, Ken Long, and Nikki uh, um, Muka Bird. I hope I said that correctly. And follows a family on a tropical holiday who discovers that the secluded beach where they are relaxing for a few hours is somehow causing them to age rapidly reducing their entire lives into one single day. Uh, so that's, I guess, putting it mildly. The film really is just about, I guess, um, yeah, they, they go to this beach. They're told by the hotel that they're staying at. Each one of them has some weird medical condition. Um, so they're all, you know, going to this secluded beach that was recommended to them. And now that they've arrived, they're all aging rapidly. And there seems to be something else going on, something something strange. Um, and that's really the plot in its simplest form. Um, and yeah, it's a really interesting film. Now, I didn't love it. I did have quite a few problems with it. And a lot of it came down to the writing. I found that Shyamalan's dialogue here is really unbearable, especially early on in the film. Um, there's some sequences where the kids are talking and no child would really talk like that. And the reason that all of that dialogue is there is because it's setting up things to happen later in the film. So um, we meet uh, one of the kids um, who's played by, well, he's played early on by another boy. I, I don't really know. Um, but Trent is um, the the character. Um, and, and Trent uh, has this fascination where he goes around asking people their occupation um, as well as their name. And that plays into it later because he needs to remember that one of them was a police officer. Uh, Thomas and Mackenzie uh, explains, he goes, she says, oh, he remembers names and um, he, he remembers names and everything that he's told. So it's like a little tick that he has. 
but it's just spelt out for us. And because that has to be introduced for some reason, it would have been fine if he just remembered it. I don't know why that was a thing because it took up a bit of screen time and I found it to be a bit annoying. But anyway, um, he, he, yeah, asks these really random intrusive questions and he's only meant to be six years old. And I just thought, ah, no six-year-old would carry on like that. I remember when I was six, I was not comfortable going and talking to people like that. Um, but I, it, it's just little things like that that I found to be strange. Some of the editing in the film and some of the filmmaking techniques as well were really jarring. Uh, the film is lensed by uh, Mike Giac- uh, Giolakis, uh, who um, was a cinematographer in films like Us um, and Under the Silver Lake, which I adore, um, and worked with Shyamalan on Glass. But I just found that the film just was a really strange look about it. There were some shots that were spectacular, then there were some shots where they were doing, you know, flash zooms and things like that, and they just felt completely out of place. And that would have come down to Shyamalan's direction because I know as a director he is quite on top of everything that uh, is happening in his productions. He's one of those very hands-on sort of filmmakers. So he would have been very, you know, working very closely with the cinematographer here to get it looking exactly the way that it was in his head but a lot of those shots end up just taking me out of the film. An example being there's a sequence where one of the characters who's a doctor and he's conditioned, he seems to have um, these spells where he becomes quite vacant in the mind. Um, so we're, we're made aware of that early on where um, our, our main um, character, I guess, because the two main characters, whilst you might say that it is the two kids, um, Trent and uh, Maddox, I would say that it's Guy and Prissa to start with. Uh, Prissa and Guy are having a bit of marital troubles and her medical condition is that she has a tumour. At the moment, the tumour is only the size of three centimetres, but because they're on this beach, it's just grown rapidly and it keeps growing. And they said it's at the size of like a, a cantaloupe, so a rock melon for those in New South Wales here. Um, but yeah, it's grown to that size in her stomach and they need to operate immediately because she's becoming quite unwell. Uh, the tumor isn't, um, cancerous. It's benign. They've already been told that, but it's causing marital distress between the two characters and they need to operate. But because there's difficulties operating, because when they cut the skin, the skin just heals straight away because of how quickly time is moving on this beach. So all these wounds are healing straight away. So it's yeah quite difficult for them to operate. Anyway, the doctor just starts going on this tangent and he says, did you know Jack Nicholson and Marlon Brando were in a film together? And it keeps coming up later in the film and that's his little quirk because he's, well, it's not a quirk, it's a condition because he's quite vacant in the mind. Um, it leads to him having like a nearly a full psychotic break and killing a rapper who ends up being on the beach too. Uh, the rapper, again, is suffering from a rare blood disorder, he mentions, and that's his uh, disease that he's... Um, got there but what happens in, in in that sequence is that he ends up stabbing the rapper and he kills the rapper but we're seen through uh, the um, perspective of another character as um, Prissa and a guy and the two kids are talking we then cut to a flash zoom that zooms in on the girl screaming and it felt like it was in a horror film and this is by far you know just not a horror film and it, it doesn't possess any horrific qualities at all there is one sequence that was quite disturbing and i will get to that because i found it to be quite effective but the film itself does not play out like a horror film it plays out like a drama thriller and even sci-fi elements especially at the end in the third act but i just found that the 
yeah, that just some of those directorial decisions just did not fit tonally with the rest of the film. And I found it to be a bit distracting, which was disappointing because Shyamalan is very clever with the camera. One of the best aspects of Split was the direction, just the way that the camera moves, how we get to see things through different perspectives and that sort of thing. It's all really well put together. So I enjoy a lot of what Shyamalan does with the camera, and that's part of the reason why I think he's so influential as a filmmaker and why I'm so fascinated with his filmography. So when we see films like this, for instance, it's just not him hitting his best. Um, he does this uh, thing as well, and I, it, it's effective in the sense that it helps you establish how much time has passed um, with these characters, I guess, because it, it shows their age difference. So the film cost roughly around $18 million, and that's just production costs. Um, so he's working with a smaller budgeted film here. So what he does, rather than showing, you know, like, um, uh, for instance, my example is going to be the Craft Legacy that came out last year. We saw a CGI transformation of age um, with uh, Dave Duchovny's character um, and uh, him transforming into a different person. And it was terrible, um, but it was done on a very small budget. So I guess the uh, similarities here is that uh, this film is working with a smaller budget. So they couldn't really do that, and they rather relied on practical effects and makeup, which I thought worked quite well. Um, and, yeah, what happens is the camera moves left to right in a panning shot. It reminded me a lot of the Paranormal Activity films in the sense that they go left to right, left to right a lot of the time just to show you what's in the room um, to, you know, set up that tension and those scares. So what they do here is they do it left to right because when it pans right, comes back left, the characters have aged and it keeps doing that. But it was just used so many times that I just found it to be really distracting and I just didn't like the way that it was used. I just found it to be a bit off-putting um, because it was used so frequently and you knew that when it was used that that was going to happen. They did things as well where the characters that are talking would be out of focus for a little while, setting up their dramatic age difference or the actors changing as well. Uh, the most effective use of that was when we saw um, the two characters, um, Mannix and Trent, and they had grown to be, uh, you know, uh, into Thomas and Mackenzie um, and, and uh, Alex Wolfe. And in that sequence, it was effective because um, they had grown up so dramatically. Though I will point out that when I'm looking up on IMDb at the moment, Alex Wolfe is credited for Trent being age 15. And I want you to keep in mind that Alex Wolfe is actually 24 years old. Uh, he does not look like a 15-year-old. So I, I find that to be a bit distracting. Thomas and Mackenzie is 21 and she's playing a... Um, she's credited as Maddox at the age of 16. So that's a little more forgiving. But at the same time, it was quite distracting to see that just then. I was like, uh, they weren't meant to be that age. And they don't really point out the exact ages in the um, film because I guess they wouldn't have any idea of knowing how old they've grown. Um, but I guess thematically, the idea of this you know, aging sort of makes the idea of aging and time to be a little scary and to be the horror or the thrilling villain here. Um, and I found that to be effective too, because I guess seeing, you know, someone age so rapidly, it does become quite scary because we have here, so uh, I'll go back to Guy's character. Um, there's a really nice moment where the family are the only ones left on the beach and they've grown, you know, the, the two kids are all grown up. They're all in, you know, meant to be in their 20s by this stage. 
um, and the parents both pass away on the beach because they're old. And um, uh, at, at that stage, Guy's lost his uh, sight and he's got a bit of dementia as well. And it was just, I, I don't know, I, I just found it to be really, uh, it was a, a sense of melancholy, but also just sadness and, and a bit of fear as well. Um, I, I was thinking far out. It, it's just a bit sad to see this happen so quickly, but it's just a part of life as well. And putting that into perspective sort of just had this weird effect on me. And I, I think that's what the film's trying to do as well. So it was effective in that sense because that moment was really touching. But I, I felt I had this off feeling and I couldn't really put my, my, my finger on it. I was like, what, why am I feeling like this? What, what's going on? Um, and I think it's because the characters are established in a way too. And especially because some of the sequences that happen with these characters on this beach, it just felt very... Um, yeah, it was just very, very sad, and uh, it was very interesting as well. I, I, I just couldn't look away from what I was seeing, even when the film got bad, um, which it did. There were some sequences that were just flat out bad. Uh, the third act, in particular, I found the film to fall apart. But I, I just thought that this, th- these sequences where where these characters are just sitting down talking were really effective. Um, that horrific, um, effective sequence I want to talk about too is. Um, uh, Alex Wolf's character um, Trent uh, meets up with a girl um, who's also aged rapidly during the film. So Eliza Scanlon's character. So she starts at the age of I think that she's meant to be like three or four years old, maybe. Um, and Trent's a little older than her, um, but they've grown up. And then the implication is they get a bit touchy feely in a, a tent. Um, you can just see them caressing each other and you, the implication is that they both had sex during that time. They've grown up even further than and when they appear as Alex Wolf and Eliza Scanlon. Um, she's pregnant. She's about, well, nine months pregnant and she's just about to give birth and they're trying to get Trent away because he's sort of too hysterical to understand what's happened. Um, and, yeah, she gives birth, but the baby nearly dies instantly because it didn't get the attention, they say, so... You know, it wouldn't have been able to be breastfed or, um, yeah, it, it just died um, because they weren't able to react quick enough to save the baby's life. And that was really, really effective because you don't see anything in this sequence. You never see the baby. You hear it cry. You see them holding like a, a blanket, but you never see the child at all. And that whole sequence is built off the performer's reactions and each of the actor's reactions, especially Alex Wolf, he becomes hysterical and all of that sequence was just really effective and it was made effective because of the choice not to show the actual baby and rather show the reactions of what's going on and because of how quick it is too and a lot of it's from these long unbroken takes as well, I found it to be really effective because you're, I was really tense during it. I was like, oh, Farah, what's going on here? And because the sequence is so loud because you've got people yelling and screaming and you've got Alex Wolf just losing his shit, I was just like, wow, this is really effective filmmaking more of this, Shyamalan, because this is what you do well. You you do these things where you're focusing on really good actors and you're, you're focusing on their reactions rather than showing things. You're choosing what to show the audience, and I really like that. Even in the operation sequence where they're getting rid of that tumour, you see the end result of the doctor holding the tumour. It's not bloody or anything. It's just like this. It looks like a big ball. Um, and during that sequence, we don't actually see the operation. You just hear them talking about it, and you see the camera's facing up from the perspective of the woman, so we're just seeing the reactions of the actors, and that was really effective too. So I, I really liked all of that. 
There is one sequence later on in the film, however, uh, with Abby Lee's character. Is it Abby Lee? Did I say that right or have I got that wrong and got my wires crossed again? Uh, no, it's Abby Lee. Uh, Abby Lee's character, Crystal, who's married to the Doctor, and she's a bit younger, and she's the um, mother. I think the implication is that she's the mother of Kara. Um, she suffers from a... It, which is, again, established very early on in the film in a very weird way, again, with this dialogue, um, that she has a calcium deficiency. So um, she makes a comment about um, her daughter, and she says, sit up straight... Uh, otherwise you'll become hunched over and you'll be very unattractive to men when you're older. Um, it's a very unattractive look or something. So that was established just through this terrible dialogue very early on in the film. And then that plays off later where she becomes this weird recluse and she ends up living in the caves in this day, like this one day again. This whole movie takes place in one day um, and she's hiding in the caves and it turns into this weird creature feature for a second where... She's got this hump and she tries to attack Alex Wolf and Thomas and Mackenzie's characters and they keep lighting matches to see what's going on and she keeps throwing rocks at them saying, don't look at me. Um, and she keeps breaking her bones when she's chasing after them, but they're not healing in the correct way. So she just becomes incredibly deformed really quickly and she turns into like a monster. And the way that it's all shot and the way that it's all edited together really quickly, it just become a completely different film just for a couple of, a couple of minutes but it just felt completely out of place and you could have completely removed that sequence from the film because I found it utterly ineffective, did not work at all and that was a huge problem for me. Um, the rules of the film are uh, weird as well because Thomas and Mackenzie's character doesn't seem to age for a fair while there. The only thing that changes at one stage is her hair. Um, it just changes colour. Uh, where Alex Wolf's character, he changes, the actor changes twice. So you're like, okay, so he's aged a fair bit, but why isn't Thomas and Mackenzie? Then the adults don't seem to be aging until later in the day as well, and it's just not really established. And I don't need clear-cut rules and everything to be over-explained to me, but I need to understand a lot of what's going on just so it makes sense in the context of the story because if it's not making sense, then it just becomes a bit of a mess, and that's the problem I had with the third act. So... I'll establish first that the characters cannot escape from this island because uh, when they go to go th back through the tunnel, what they're saying is that if they go back all the tunnel, the the canyon, I guess, um, that leads onto the beach, they can't go back through because something to do with that the like they keep experiencing this cranial pressure um, and they keep passing out and waking back up on the beach. The idea behind it is it's the equivalent of you go scuba diving and you're coming back up. If you're going scuba diving and coming back up, you get the bends if you come up too quickly. So it's the same as going through the, the canyon because they're trying to go through it too quickly. They're like, you know, hurting hurting themselves because they can't handle the pressure. Or it's like, like the, essentially like de-aging essentially because they can't handle going back out into the real world. Um, and Alex Wolf comes up with the idea of you know, these metal suits. He's like, how about we build metal suits? And Thomas and Mackenzie says, where are we going to get all these, all the metal for these suits? Um, and that's sort of established. And then uh, his friend that he makes at the start of the film, who's like the nephew of the guy who runs the hotel and who's behind this whole operation, um, he writes him a little um, a cipher at the start. Um, and he doesn't solve the cipher until the end. And the cipher says, go through the coral, or my uncle doesn't like the coral or something like that. And the coral acts as a tunnel to protect them um, from this aging process so they won't get the bends, essentially. 
and they can escape the the beach. So they use that at the end, and we get the reveal that um, this is the scientist. Um, this beach allows them to, you know, give them drugs and give them um, medicine and see what medicine works. It's like a time trial to see if the medicine actually does work and helps them, um, you know, actually overcome these illnesses. So that's why everyone has a specific illness because they're all given cocktails when they first arrive and the cocktails have medicine. They're each given their own food bag to go onto this beach. The food bag also contains medicine. I think that's the implication anyway. Um, so, yeah, that, that's essentially the big twist at the end, the M. Night Shyamalan twist. And I just found it to be completely ineffective because it turns into a completely different film for the third act and just the the rush conclusion where he finds this random police officer because of his questions at the start of the film, and this is Alex Wolf's character, who's all grown up now. I think they say he's in his 50s, um, and he's escaped, and he's just like, you're a police officer. Then the film ends with them in a helicopter flying over the beach, and he's like, they're all being subpoenaed, and they'll appear in court in a week's time. And I was just like, well, what day is this? How long has this happened? Like... Shyamalan just writes this stuff into his film and it just makes no fucking sense and it just becomes completely deflates the whole film. Like, it's just insane how quickly it can turn. So the third act just becomes just an utter mess and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, The film cuts to black at least three times within the last 10 minutes as well, which I found to be really off-putting. The film cuts to black a lot. Um, It's a bit of an editing technique of Shyamalan's and does not work for me because every time it does, it feels like the film's ending because the film also isn't paced very well. Uh, I found it to be completely off-putting as well, just the way that it was paced. It just didn't really work in the sense that it just felt like it was rushing through certain elements but then not spending the time to explore other elements. And I just found it to be really, really strange. Um yeah, that, that third act, it just turns into a completely different film. We cut to like this scientific lab where they're saying, oh, because one of them suffered epilepsy, um, we cured their epi- uh, epilepsy because the, the medicine worked and they didn't actually have a, uh, an epileptic attack for over 16 years because that's how long it had been whilst they were on the beach before she had another epileptic attack. But she ends up dying from an uh, epileptic fit and I don't know if that played into their calculations as well. So I guess they're not really villains as such either. I understand that they're using like humans as human guinea pigs, but it I don't know. It's not completely unethical, and I don't know if there is a question of ethics in the film or if there's meant to be, but I just found it to be really strange. And just the way it's edited just sort of, yeah, detracts from that overall feel. And I don't know if the you know, if it is good versus evil at the end. I, I don't really know, and I don't know if there's meant to be that conversation it just feels confused. And that's part of my problem with Shyamalan. He does tend to create these questions, but he doesn't really want to spend the time exploring them either. Um, And I just found it to be really strange. And I guess if you're looking for a a different kind of thriller and this high concept, then maybe you'll have fun with it. I went to the cinema to see this one and it was packed. It was a busy, busy crowd, which is good to see. I love seeing my local theater. Shout out to Metro 5 Bathurst. Um, but I do like to see the cinema really busy, and it was, which is good. But the reaction from a lot of the people who were going to see this film was laughter in sequences that definitely weren't meant to contain laughter. Don't get me wrong, there's definitely some humorous moments in this film, but the sequences where people were laughing, uh, they were not meant to be laughing, and that's a shame. And that's that Shyamalan problem. 
he does seem to have that unintentional comedic factor to some of his films. The Happening being a classic example. After Earth also has a bit of that going on too, but After Earth's just deflated from poor acting from Will and Jaden Smith and terrible CGI. Um, but yeah, this film just fell flat for me in the third act. But up until then, I was enjoying it. Whilst it had its flaws, it definitely still had a bit going on, which I enjoyed. Special shout out to to the composer, uh, Trevor Garekis, who worked previously with Shyamalan on um, The Servant or Servant. And you remember I did my review of Servant in, uh, on season one. I still haven't seen season two, uh, but I thoroughly enjoyed season one of Servant. And yeah, the music here is quite entertaining and quite well composed. It has this whimsical nature when they first arrive to the beach, but then it so slowly delves more into that sinister thrilling aspect. Uh, people are probably wondering, does Shyamalan have a cameo? He actually has a small role in this film. He's the bus driver working for this organization who takes our um, subjects to the beach initially. So, yeah, that was interesting. Um, he still can't act. If you remember his days in Signs when he was in that film. Um, but, yeah, he's not very good here. Uh, he is delegated to a very brief appearance, but... He's still not a fantastic actor. And if you know who Shyamalan is, you know that he's appearing in his own film. He's a bit self-indulgent in that respect because the way that the camera leers on him a bit too, the opening shot to introduce his character, it's shown um, like in the reverse, uh, the revision mirror. You see the camera pointed upwards and you can see his eye line and he looks nearly directly at the camera. And I was like, ah, man, that is off-putting. We don't need to see you look at the camera, Shyamalan. We, we know who you are. Uh, so that was a bit off-putting as well. But overall, guys, I think Old has elements uh, that definitely work. I like the way that it deals with the idea of aging. I thought that was interesting and it's definitely unique, which is cool. Um, the performances are quite good. Thomas and McKenzie and Alex Wolf are fantastic. Uh, special shout-outs as well to the actor and actress playing their parents. I thought um, Gail Garcia Bernal was good and Vicky Kreps was really good too. I thought they did a really good job. The exploration of their relationship was poorly handled, but I understand why it was there. We needed that character drama to a sort of attach ourselves to something in the film and I think they did a relatively good job of establishing that I think the title of the film's terrible it's called old I think the film should be titled sandcastle like the original graphic novel that it's based on is uh, sandcastle is a much better title but I think because it's a high concept film and if you see that poster of the girl holding her legs and you see one of them's a you know skeleton and it's just a normal leg um maybe that's why um to play off that idea that it's a bit of a high concept film but overall guys i think it's enjoyable i'm going to give old a six out of ten i don't think it's fantastic but it was enjoyable and i think it's still Shyamalan heading in the right direction i just wish that some of these films like this one here maybe spent a few you know maybe get some additional writers just to fix up some of the script issues especially the dialogue it was terrible um, a lot of the time. The dialogue doesn't even really uh, improve in that middle act either. It's just sort of there and it's it's very blatant um, and he's not hiding anything with his dialogue, which I guess you can appreciate, but it just annoys me. Uh, but overall, guys, I did enjoy this one. Uh, maybe check it out on the big screen too because it was cool to see it with a big audience. By the time you listen to this, though, the movie's probably finished in theatres. But yeah, I did enjoy going to see it on the big screen. 
But that brings this episode to a close, guys. So thank you all for listening. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe to me. Do everything you can on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, my tag being at OzMovieGeek. Um, you can also rate and uh, review the podcast if you get time to on whatever podcast streaming service you're listening to this on. Uh, and yeah, look forward to more content coming at you very shortly. Make sure you also check out my previous reviews too, and I'll have more reviews coming at you very shortly. So thank you all for listening, guys. And until next time, peace out.